Heart of our nation's capital. Here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up, is he a patriot or a turncoat? That's the question swirling around D.C. today about the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, General Mark Milley. After CNN released portions of a pre-release copy of Bob Woodward's and Robert Costa's latest book on Trump entitled, entitled Peril. The book alleges that General Milley had secret communications with his Chinese counterpart, telling him he would warn him if an attack by the U.S. was pending. Republican lawmakers were outraged. Let me be blunt. My plan also takes on elected officials and states that Wrong are clip. undermining you in these life-saving actions. Right now, local school officials are trying to keep children safe in a pandemic while their governor picks a fight with them and even threatens their salary. Uh, sorry, that was the wrong clip. Uh, we had a clip of Senator Hawley last night on Fox News's Laura Ingram saying, uh, let's play that clip of uh, Senator Hawley. If these reports are accurate, Laura, what he has done, General Milley, is go outside the chain of command. He's broken the chain of command. He has threatened the constitutional principle of civilian control of the military. He doesn't have the right, he doesn't have the authority to contact our opponents in Beijing and tell them that he will inform them about any action we might take before we take it. I mean, I can't believe I'm reading this. I hope these reports are inaccurate, but he does need to resign. He needs to resign, and if he won't resign, he needs to be fired. Again, that was Missouri Senator Josh Hawley on Fox News' Laura Ingram last night. Today, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki responded in support. President knows General Milley. He has been chairman of the Joint Chiefs for almost eight months of his presidency. They've worked side by side through a range of international events. Uh, and the president has complete confidence in his leadership, his patriotism, and his fidelity to our Constitution. Well, members of Congress are calling for a full investigation. We'll talk with the chairman of the House Freedom Caucus, Arizona Congressman Andy Biggs, in just a moment. We'll also get our own Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, who was the former Deputy, Deputy Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence under George W. Bush, to weigh in on this shocking revelation of what could be the seeds for a future military coup if not addressed. Also, state leaders are pushing back on President Biden's unprecedented vaccine mandate. 27 Republican governors or attorney generals are gearing up to fight the mandates. We'll talk with Arizona Attorney General Mark Burnovich, who was the first to file legal action against the Biden administration. Speaking of the vaccine, according to a new poll, Democrats see the unvaccinated as a greater threat to the U.S. than the Taliban. Now, that's not from the Babylon Bee. That is from pollster Scott Rasmussen, and he joins us later with the details. And finally, California voters fell short yesterday in their effort to recall Governor Gavin Newsom. Now, FRC Action's Brent Kylan will be here a little bit later with a look at California's recall election results and what they mean. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Let me also encourage you to download the Stand Firm app. That way you can listen to Washington Watch no matter where you are in the world. But more importantly, it gives you the action items you need to be involved, to be informed, and to be a responsible citizen. Again, download that Stand Firm app. Tonight, Pray Vote Stand is back. PrayVoteStand.org, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. 
The vaccine mandate, is it the right approach or is it government overreach? Is President Biden's six-pronged COVID-19 action plan driven by science or by politics? What if Americans oppose the mandate? What can we do? What if you have a moral or religious objection to being ordered to inject your body with a vaccine? That is the focus of tonight's Pray Vote Stand. I'll be joined by Kansas Senator Dr. Roger Marshall, Dr. Jeff Barrows of the Christian Medical and Dental Association, and Pastor Gary Hamrick, Senior Pastor of Cornerstone Chapel. Again, that's 8 p.m. Eastern Time, prayvotestand.org. Well, imagine this. The highest-ranking American general, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, calls his counterpart in China secretly to make assurances that the United States military leadership would warn his Chinese counterpart if and when the United States launches an attack against China. Now, this may seem like a terrible plot in a B-grade movie, but if the allegations of the book by Bob Woodward called Peril are to be believed, this actually happened. According to their upcoming book, Joint Chiefs of Staff General, Joint Chief of Staff Mar uh, General Mark Milley called his People's Liberation Army counterpart to make assurances that they would get a heads up from General Milley if and when then-President Trump decided to launch an attack on China. Well, you can't make this stuff up. Joining me now to talk more about this, Congressman Andy Biggs. He is the chairman of the House Freedom Caucus, and he's from Arizona. Co Congressman, welcome back to the program. Tony, good to be with you. Um, let me just ask you point blank, what's your reaction to these revelations of actions taken by General Milley? Well, my first reaction was, since it was written by Bob Woodward, maybe maybe it wouldn't be true, but then uh, uh, to, today reports are out that Milley has admitted that those he made those two, those two phone calls. So um, I'm historically speaking, I mean, Article 2, sec, uh, Section 2 of the Constitution, the president's the commander-in-chief. It's not a military junta. It's not a military government. We have a civilian commander-in-chief. Uh, Milley has is, is, uh, stepped outside of that chain of command. And not only that, he undermined this uh, President uh, Trump's uh, foreign policy. And we know of two phone calls that he admitted to, how many others were there. It, uh, and the other historical reference I'll make to you is when uh, General Douglas MacArthur stepped outside of the, the line of the chain of command, Harry Truman fired him, uh, if you remember, during the Korean War. It is time to fire General Milley. It is time to, for Congress to investigate him. And it is time for the Uniform uh, Code of Military Justice to come into play for investigation in a military tribunal to be convened um, uh, regarding General Milley. Well, we just heard just a few moments ago White House Press Secretary uh, Jen Psaki saying the president supported him. We have a short clip of the president himself uh, today, saying he has confidence in General Mil Milley. Uh, clip five, please. I have great confidence in General Milley. It doesn't appear that uh, he's even considering firing the general. He's standing in support with him, calling him a patriot. Yeah, this is absurd. This is what, so when I first heard it as well, I was saying, well, if, if it's true, then guess what's going to happen? The left is going to say, well, yes, General Milley, what a hero, what a, what a patriot. The rea reality is he's no hero, he's no patriot, he has violated the oath of his office, he has violated the chain of command, he has undermined the foreign policy of the United States of America, 
And I want you to think, I mean, you know this, Tony, and, and your audience knows this too. They're very, they're very, they get this. You have a general basically saying to an adversary, we're not talking about an economic adversary. We are talking about a country where the CCP has basically uh, been trying to hack into our um, and military uh, computer apparatus, our country's economic apparatus, and they've been stealing our secrets and military secrets for a long time. Here's the deal. He is aiding and abetting that regime, our adversarial regime. It's almost like a Cold War. It'd be like helping the USSR during the Cold War. That's the kind of thing you have to equate this with because that's the gravity of what was going on with what General Milley did. I agree with you, Congressman Biggs. I mean, in fact, when I heard it, I, I too, you know, Bob Woodward, I've read the other two books that they've written about President Trump, and I was involved in some of those things and knew that they were off a little bit. But uh, General Milley, through his spokesman, did not refute this, said that this took place. Um, and I was thinking about this, you know, as one who has been sanctioned by the Chinese government for my advocacy for human rights, religious freedom in that country, along with other members of, uh, with members of Congress uh, and others. I'm thinking, here, I'm being sanctioned for advocating for the very things that the head of our military should be defending. No, Tony, you're exactly right. I mean, this is, this is a, a, an absolute failure. I mean, and, and let's think of it this way, too. It's probably the closest to a military junta that yeah. you can get. And that is a general, the top general, basically um, undermining the commander in chief, the president of the United States. There are other operations, other civil uh, remedies in our United States Constitution. And by the way, the the Democrats had already undertaken those, uh, were undertaking those remedies nonstop. And you have this guy who is supposed to be loyal to the president and loyal to the Constitution, loyal to the country, and protect the country basically telling an enemy i if if there's anything that's if we're going to attack you i'm going to give you a, a, a warning and that's just the kind of absurd thing and contrary to what you were doing which is which was preaching for human rights and dignity of humanity uh, you know I, I to your point this is sowing the seeds i think of a military coup if it is it's unprecedented and if we leave it unaddressed now is there anything that the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee, which you're a member of, can do to address this matter? Well, the first thing that we're, we're doing as a Freedom Caucus is, is uh, many of us are, are sending a letter uh, demanding that uh, uh, under the Uniform uh, Code of Military Justice that, that he be investigated. The second thing is we are trying to get with Oversight Committee, we will no doubt try and get an investigation. We'll try to get Millie in. We will try to uh, to do these things, but it's all in the hands of our committee chairwoman. And and Tony, I got to tell you, this is so serious and so grave. This is something that both sides of the aisle should be coming together on, and saying, look, this could happen to any president if you have a rogue general like General Milley was. But that's not what we're seeing, and that's my biggest concern. On top, of, on top of what he actually did, my yeah. biggest concern is that the Democrats are are not only not trying to to stop this in the future; they're actually incentivizing it by praising this guy. 
Well, this will only further what I believe really began with Barack Obama, and that was the politicization of our nation's military, which causes a lack of trust in our military. Um, very quickly, before we have to go, Congressman Biggs, I know that there's so many pressing issues, but one of the areas, another area that shows the, the, the total failure of this administration, their policies, is our southern border, and you're actually leading a group to the southern border on Friday. Yeah, so Tony, I'm actually getting ready to leave in about an hour um, from the Phoenix area and heading on down to the southern border. And I'll have uh, a number of members of Congress with me and, and staff. Uh, and we're going to take another uh, view of, of different parts of the border. Uh, and, you know, this could be solved, but it isn't being solved because this is the open border situation that the Democrats want. And, Tony, you have to think, over 200,000 a month for the last three months uh, have been apprehended, and then many of them dispersed throughout our country without thorough vetting, including no COVID vaccinations or anything like that. And at the same time, you have 70 to 100,000 people getting in uh, known gotaways and unknown gotaways. So imagine 250 to 300,000 people a month coming in um, for, the la for the last three months, June, July, and August. And those yeah. are the hottest parts of the year. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get worse, I fear. Congressman Andy Biggs, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us. Maybe we can catch up with you next week after your trip to the border. Sounds good. Thanks, Tony. Keep it up. The good right. work. Congressman Andy Biggs, chairman of the House Freedom Caucus. Coming up next, we're going to stay in Arizona and be joined by the Attorney, Attorney General of Arizona, Mark Burnovich. He's the first state to take action legal action against the vaccine mandate. He's here with us next. Don't go away. Everything we do begins as an idea. Before there can be acts of courage, there must be the belief that some things are worth sacrificing for. Before there can be marriage, there is the idea that man should not be alone. Before there was freedom, there was the idea that individuals are created equal. It's true that all ideas have consequences, but we're less aware that all consequences are the fruit of ideas. Before there was murder, there was hate. Before there was a Holocaust, there was the belief by some people that other people are undesirable. Our beliefs determine our behavior, and our beliefs about life's biggest questions determine our worldview. Where did I come from? Who decides what is right and wrong? What happens when I die? 
Our answers to these questions explain why people see the world so differently. Debates about abortion are really disagreements about where life gets its value. Debates over sexuality and gender and marriage are really disagreements about whether the rules are made by us or for us. What we think of as political debates are often much more than that. They're disagreements about the purpose of our lives and the source of truth. As Christians, our goal must be to think biblically about everything. Our goal is to help you see beyond red and blue, left and right, to see the battle of ideas at the root of it all. Our goal is to equip Christians with a biblical worldview and help them advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square. Cultural renewal doesn't begin with campaigns and elections. It begins with individuals turning from lies to truth. But that won't happen if people can't recognize a lie and don't believe truth exists. We want to help you see the spiritual war behind the political war, the truth claims behind the press release. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Let me remind you again, 8 p.m. Eastern time today, Pray Vote Stand. You can find it at PrayVoteStand.org. We'll be talking about the vaccine mandates. So it'll be a good program tonight. So be sure and turn, tune in, 8 p.m. Eastern time. All right, 27 Republican governors or attorneys general have vowed to take legal action in response to President Biden's sweeping vaccine mandates. And uh, yesterday, Arizona Attorney General Mark Burnovich filed a 14-page complaint in federal court making Arizona the first to mount a legal challenge. Now, I want to go back to what President Biden said last week when he talked about those state leaders, governors in particular, standing in the way of his agenda on the COVID vaccine. Play clip number four. Seems to be the, great, the greatest patriot no. uh, that was on duty okay, during... Got, that's the wrong clip. My plan also takes on elected officials and states that are undermining you and these life-saving actions. Right now, local school officials are trying to keep children safe in a pandemic while their governor picks a fight with them and even threatens their salaries or their jobs. Talk about bullying in schools. If they'll not help, if these governors won't help us beat the pandemic, I'll use my power as president to get them out of the way. Joining us now is Attorney General Mark Brnovich for the state of Arizona. General, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tony, once again for having me on. So you were the first state to file legal action against this mandate, the basis of your challenge. Uh, in short, Tony, you know that our rights come from God, not from government. And as the clip you just played showed, the Biden administration has this idea, this old progressive notion that they know what's best for everybody. And I always say to folks that, what does the Constitution say? The Biden administration, the president has no power anywhere in the Constitution to force anyone to inject anything into their body. And it's as simple as that. Um, the Ninth Amendment, the Tenth Amendment prohibit that president from doing it. So we have filed a lawsuit saying he doesn't have that authority. And even if he did have that authority, it's a violation of the Equal Protection Clause because he's literally said that if you don't have legal status in this country, you have the choice whether to get the vaccine or not. 
But if you're a federal employee, if you're a marshal, a border patrol agent, wherever you work, you have to get it. And we think that not only violates equal protection clause, but it's just fundamentally wrong. General, you heard the president's comments equating what you, other leaders, are doing to protect the rights of people, equating that to bullying in the schools. How do you respond to that? Um, it's unfortunate that the president would use those that kind of language. And, you know, obviously we're, we're all of God's children, so I'm going to be careful what I would say, but I think that was one of the worst speeches by a president in the history of this country. And here's why I think that, Tony, is that there's this fundamental misunderstanding of the nature of government and the people. As I said, our rights come from God, not from the government. And Joe Biden is the one that's acting like a third world dictator by trying to dictate to people what they should or shouldn't do. And I think the reason why so many people are so worried about this is that not only is it a massive concentration of power in Washington, D.C., but if we let Joe Biden, President Joe Biden, get away with this, then in the future, what's to stop any president from basically telling you what you can and can't do um, with your own personal health care decisions? And so I think this is a radical intrusion. It's unconstitutional. And we know that issues of public health, safety, and welfare were traditionally left to the states. But I think this is ultimately what you get, Tony, when we've seen the erosion of our institutions, whether that's the family, whether it's in law enforcement, and you have this concentrated effort by the left to concentrate power in Washington, D.C. And if we don't fight that now, we're going to forever surrender our rights and liberties to uh, uh, a most powerful federal government that's going to trample on our rights and liberties. I think you're absolutely right. And I think it's hard for people to believe the administration saying they're only following the science when on the very same day the president announced this sweeping vaccine mandate that his own Department of Justice filed suit against the state of Texas over their heartbeat bill, saying that every woman should have a right to choose to abort their unborn baby, but yet Americans can't have the right to choose whether or not they should affect their own body with a vaccine. The Biden administration has proved that they are very hostile, quite frankly, to religious liberties and anyone that disagrees with them on fundamental issues about all life, the dignity of life, and the fact that you know religious institutions should be able to run their, their churches, their synagogues, how they want to. And so you have this attempt by the federal government to get into our lives and control things, but then they don't want to protect innocent life. And I think this is, once again, this is this old progressive notion that started with Woodrow Wilson, that we saw in the eugenics movement, that we saw even through FDR, where you have this, these progressive liberal elites that think they are the ones that created rights. The government is designed to you know, pick and choose winners and losers, and, and they know what's best. And they want these uh, you know, elites and these experts, so-called, to run our government agencies and run our lives. And that's why it's so important, and I know you know this, Tony, for us to fight back yes. and return the balance with sovereignty in the states and to not cede all this power, and whether it's nationalizing our elections and all this stuff about you know taxing and spending. Once again, all that is designed to concentrate power in Washington, D.C., and we got to fight it. Well, General Brnovich, uh, you're running point on this. You're certainly fighting it, but you're not alone. You've got uh, a majority of the states, when you look at the Republican governors and your your uh, counterparts, the attorney generals in other states, they're with you on this. And that's true. And I think that it's this isn't a political issue. I think that folks 
understand fundamentally this isn't an issue of right versus left, but it's an issue of right versus wrong. And it's about the dignity of all of us as human beings. And I think that's fundamentally what the Biden administration doesn't understand. And so I've said to people that this is like a naval battle where this is just the first torpedo in the water. So there will be many more. I know there's a lot of friends, uh, you know, my colleagues, they're do everything they can. And ultimately, you know, um, you know, as people of faith, we have to rely on the fact that um, we will have the wisdom to do justice, to do justice. And that's what I'm trying to do. Well, General Brnovich, we appreciate your leadership on this, and we appreciate you joining us today and look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you, Tony. God bless. All right. Attorney General for the state of Arizona, Mark Brnovich, out there fighting. It's so important to have these good state leaders that are willing to take on the federal government. That's the way our system is supposed to work. All right, coming up next, our own, our own Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin joins me for more on these shocking revelations of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. All of us are born with the desire to find truth and meaning. Where did I come from? What happens when I die? While our answers to these questions may divide us, we are united in our need for the freedom to answer life's biggest questions and make life's biggest decisions for ourselves. That's why religious freedom matters for everyone. Religious freedom matters because the powerful have long wanted to control those who are less powerful. Religious freedom matters because the freedom of those who are different is often threatened by those who believe different is dangerous. Leah Sherabu, a Christian teenager in Nigeria, remains a captive of Boko Haram for her refusal to renounce her Christian faith. Chinese pastor Wang Yi is serving a nine-year sentence for speaking publicly against the Chinese government. In Pakistan, Asif Purvez is on death row for allegedly sending a blasphemous text message. All of this because people in power decided different is dangerous. the Center for Religious Liberty at Family Research Council. We promote religious freedom for everyone because the only alternative is religious freedom for no one. We encourage Americans and the American government to engage and advocate for the persecuted, and they do. We work every day to bring good news to the afflicted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. We do it because that's what Jesus does. We work to give freedom to others because we ourselves have been set free. Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. As I mentioned earlier, CNN obtained an advanced copy of Bob Woodward's third book on the Trump presidency, this one entitled titled Peril. Now, I'll wait to read the book to pass judgment on its accuracy. But beyond the characterization of President Trump as uh, crazy and out of control, one of the central figures, at least in what we've seen so far, is the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, General Mark Milley. Now, we've discussed him before on the program in terms of his political theater that he engaged in on Capitol Hill, but 
What is described in Woodward's latest book goes way beyond political theater. Joining me now to talk about this is FRC's Executive Vice President, retired Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, a founding member of the Delta's elite force in the, uh, the Army. General, welcome back to the program. Hey, thank you, Tony. Glad to be with you. All right, I, uh, I have a feeling, since we've had a number of conversations in the past over the role of the military, civilian-led military, that uh, you have concerns about the behavior depicted by Woodward in his book of General Milley. Yeah, you know, if this is true, Tony, it's, it's something that I have never seen. Our founding fathers gave us a principle of civilian control of the military, and this is uh, absolutely a breach of that principle if what uh, Woodward describes is true. And I believe it is something that this man has to be held accountable for. Now, I, I always take what Woodward writes with kind of a grain of salt because I've seen some um, inaccuracies in his previous books of Trump's administration because there were things I was involved in that I saw and I knew how they unfolded. They were different than what he described. However, I, I would say that the behavior I've seen from General Milley in his political theater on Capitol Hill uh, would somewhat be consistent, or I should not say somewhat, I would see as consistent with what is described here by Woodward, having back-channel phone calls with China's top general trying to say, hey, don't worry about, we got him under control, essentially, meaning the president? Yeah, well, I, all you have to do is look at some of his his very overt behavior, you know, and, and you mentioned that... Uh, his uh, showmanship when he testified before the congressional committee there and talked about white rage. And, Tony, I, I, 36 years in the military, I never saw a white rage. I don't know what white rage is, and none of the general officers that I've talked to could describe it either. So if you look at some of his previous behavior, it, it lends credibility to the fact that he, this may very well be true, and it sounds like something that he would do. Remember that he, after being over in the park with the president that day when the President held up a Bible. He came back and went public and said, I should never have been there. And, uh, you know, I didn't realize it was a photo op and that type of thing. That's when the president sure said, well, buddy, I'll tell you what, it may be time for you to go ahead and find some of those boards for you to sit on because we don't need you in the military anymore. I mean, I just, I, I'm, I am so beside myself about this thing because I've never seen it happen. It has vestiges of MacArthur. According to Woodward, Miley instructed the officers, the uh, the other members of the Joint Chief and the members of his staff, not to take orders from anyone unless he was involved. This sounds like he was usurping the authority of the President of the United States. It sounds exactly like that. And remember that any of those uh, that he instructed to do that who were uh, enlisted members of the military or uniformed officers in the military are under an obligation to obey the orders of the commander-in-chief. And, and the oath that you took as an enlisted man in the Marine Corps said that you do solemnly swear that you will obey the orders of the president and the officers appointed over you. It sounds to me like he has just breached that whole concept. Now, he says, uh, or at least Woodward portrays Miley as uh, Millie to, to have taken this action because he felt the president was unstable, uh, that uh, the president was going to take actions that would jeopardize the nation, get us into a war. If that were the case, what would have been the proper uh, response of the joint, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs? 
go lay your stars on the table and say, I cannot resign. I cannot continue in this current position uh, because of your policies, and I will go public, and I will tell America what I see and why I'm leaving, why I'm stepping down. And that would have gotten people's attention. This, if this is precedent setting, which it appears to be, I mean, this could really pave the way for, in the future, a military coup. Absolutely, Tony, and that's why this is not a, a Republican or Democrat issue. This is a, a this is a constitutional issue, and it has to be dealt with. I mean, both sides should be very concerned about this. Where you've got a rogue, this is what we've always worried about, right? A rogue, a rogue general that would would step off into something that would be apocalyptic. And this is what it sounds like here that we've got a rogue general there. That uh, if this turns out to be true, that uh, it could be exactly what you're talking about, a coup, a military coup, and that is that that is not America. That's not what happens in constitutional republics, and we've got to deal with this, mm -hmm. and I believe deal with it harshly to make a statement to future generations that this will not, this will not be the standard in America. All right, General, we've got to leave it there for today, but I'm sure we'll be talking about this in the days ahead. General Jerry Boykin, thanks so much for joining us. Glad to be with you. All right, folks, uh, don't go away. More Washington Watch uh, coming up. Scott Rasmussen joins us. Uh, some Democrats see Trump supporters and unvaccinated Americans as a greater threat than the Taliban. Yeah, we're going to talk about that next. Don't go away. internship program that prepares and equips students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview trainings, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns will have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls them. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving interns the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. Is real biblical masculinity lost forever? In this culture of gender confusion, there are too few examples of godly manhood. So where can men, husbands, and fathers find a model of godly manhood? leadership and strength in this culture try our stand courageous men's ministry we seek to help men develop a strong biblical character cultivate positive habits build and rebuild relationships and make commitments that will move men closer to god's good purpose and design men who will stand courageous we invite you to join us at a stand courageous men's conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity these conferences are led by men who struggle with the same issues you do. 
and will invest in unpacking our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can have a generational influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With tech censorship on the rise, we've increasingly seen the cancellation of conservatives and Christians. At Family Research Council, we want to be proactive about making sure big tech doesn't completely silence us. We want to stay connected with you, and so we've created a tech subscription platform. That way, if we are canceled, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone by signing up for our text alerts. Just text STAND to 67742. Again, text STAND to 67742. And FRC will send you special alerts on the issues of the day. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. We want you to always have access to the content that will help you stand for what's right and keep you connected with like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. This is Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Let me again encourage you, download the Stand Firm app. That way you can listen or, uh, to Washington Watch no matter where you might be in the world. And also, it gives you the tools to be an active, engaged, informed citizen. Go to the App Store, download the Stand Firm app. Okay, you, you've heard me talk about this many times. Um, fear. I don't believe we're supposed to be fearful about anything. Uh, we're supposed to have reverence for the Lord, no fear of man, but fear is a powerful motivating force. Now, there are many things that motivate us in life, but fear is really at the top of the list. And I think that's actually manifesting itself in the way people are responding to some of these mandates, responding to uh, the vaccine, responding to the coronavirus. And it's, quite frankly to me, it's disturbing because people can be manipulated when they are filled with fear. Joining me now to talk more about this is uh, a good friend, Scott Rasmussen. He is the founder of scottrasmussen.com, Ballotpedia, editor-at-large. Uh, he's got his finger on the pulse of America. Scott, welcome back to Washington Watch. Tony, it's always great to be with you. Hey, uh, you did a poll a couple days ago that really grabbed my attention, and it speaks to this issue of fear, I believe, and that is that Democrats see Trump supporters and the unvaccinated as the biggest threat to America, even more than the Taliban. So in this survey, I asked people about a whole series of things, about eight different groups that might be something to be afraid of. Um, and I asked whether each was a serious threat, a modest threat, or no threat at all. And for Democrats, 57% said that Trump supporters are a serious threat to the nation. 56% said the unvaccinated are a serious threat. And you're right, that showed they're more concerned about that than the Taliban or China or Russia. Um, when I flip it and look at the Republican responses, uh, what you see uh, is the Taliban, China, and defund the police activists are written at the, are the top three, and independents feel the same way. Scott, you and I have talked about this before. Our nation has become more and more polarized. We've become more divided. 
that trend appears to be continuing, in fact, even intensifying. I, I think you are right. It's, it's certainly intensifying. Um, and you and I are both old enough to remember 1968 when it was a really bad year for our nation. Um, I think we're getting to some of that, that same kind of a dynamic again. Um, what we're seeing, though, is I think a little bit different on both sides, on the opposite sides of the partisan aisle. Uh, Democrats are identifying Trump supporters, people who support the president, the 74 million voters who cast their ballots for him as a serious threat to the nation. Uh, strategically and politically, that's a mistake because you'll never win over people if you're telling them that they're the biggest threat to the nation. Uh, Republicans, when they look at defund the police activists, obviously that's something a lot of Republicans associate with the Democratic Party but it is not as blanket uh, an accusation. And I, I suspect that what we're seeing is a lot of Democratic leaders are talking about the events of January 6th and some other challenges, um, and they're assuming that all Trump supporters support those activities, um, and it's simply not the case. I mean, I, it doesn't take a lot to just kind of connect the dots here. Uh, take, for instance, the fear of the unvaccinated. When for the last almost two years now, at least a year and a half, we've had the media just pounding this issue of the coronavirus, scaring everybody to death. And of course, you've got, uh, you know, the, the, the political class, many of them, you got to have the mask, you got to be, va I mean, the, the fear. So it would be natural then if this thing, and I'm not minimizing, I know the COVID, the COVID uh, virus is serious, uh, but you know, we have more people dying of uh, heart disease than we do of the COVID, um, but we're not scaring people out of uh, their bad eating habits. But that's being translated to then, if this COVID is so bad and we've got to be so fearful, then those who are not vaccinated are the ones to fear. Right. And, you know, what puzzles me a bit about that is all of the data that we have, not polling data, all of the, the data on the impact of the pandemic and COVID, suggest that at this point in time, the people who are being affected the worst, the ones who are dying because of COVID still, the ones who are getting bad cases, they are the unvaccinated. So it, it, it is a threat to some people, but there's very little evidence to say that there's actually, that somebody not being vaccinated is a threat to a person who has been vaccinated or probably to a person who has had the vaccine, as, uh, who's actually had COVID as well and built up some natural immunity. It is a sense of fear, and I think you're right about that. It, it pops through in all the data. Uh, what is one of the fear factors, and there's a difference of opinion on this, is what do you think happens to you if you get COVID? Now, when the pandemic first came out and first just gripped the nation, people treated it like it was a death sentence, and mm -hmm. for many it was in those early days. Now, Republicans and independents tend to say, if I get it, I'll get over it pretty quickly. Democrats are still more fearful that it'll have a harmful effect on them. When you look uh, last week when the president issued his mandate saying that, uh, and, and I go back to, to what you said, he said in his speech that this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. But yet at the same time, there's still this stoking of fear among those who are vaccinated that these people are putting you at risk when, as you said, the science shows that if you're if you're in the hospital, it's probably because you weren't vaccinated. So you're bringing this on yourself. If you want to do that, that's fine. It's your business. Um, but when you look across the board, how has America responded to the president's mandate on the vaccine? 
Well, we're in the field getting specific responses about the mandate itself and, and different alternatives. And one thing I will say, um, there's a lot more nuance to people's perspective on this uh, than we want to talk about. I mean, a lot of people say they support the mandate, but six out of 10 are quite comfortable going into a restaurant without a mask, without knowing if everybody's vaccinated. So in our personal lives, we're acting one way. Um, but politically, there's a different impact. One of the things that I do to track the impact of an event is measure what it does to voter intensity about the next election and does it shift anything politically? What we saw following the president's speech and the announcement of these mandates is voter enthusiasm about the midterm elections went up about five points, but it went up across the board. Uh, Republicans, Democrats, independents, everybody's more fired up. It's truly a case of a rising tide lifting all boats. Uh, what that means is the most fired up part of the population so far remains people who support the policies of President Donald Trump. Uh, they're the ones who are most anxious to get to the polls and cast their ballot. Now, how they will vote? Well, before the president's speech, the generic ballot in my polling was tied, 40% Republican, 40% Democrat. After the polling, or after the speech, still tied, 40 to 40. So no change among registered voters. Among the motivated voters, those most likely to vote, Republicans continue to have a modest advantage. So again, what we see is intensity on both sides, but what we see though is, is clearly a more divided country. Um, and finding that middle ground is becoming more and more difficult. And I think the one thing President Trump did, and I think Barack Obama did this as well, understood that these elections are base elections. And as you said, the, uh, the president's base who supports big government and the overreach, they're all excited about it. Uh, those on the other side, the other half of America who are skeptical of government and these mandates are energized as well. Right. You know, I, I mentioned 1968 earlier because that was a really difficult year in our country. You know, different, different issues than we're facing today, but a real struggle. Uh, and Aaron Woldowski, a great political scientist, wrote at that time that there's a simple recipe for violence. That is, promise people a lot and do nothing. Um, and what he noted was that when political, when, when you begin to get into this political divide, politicians have to make bigger and bigger and stronger promises to get out their base, mm -hmm. but they don't have the ability to deliver. So the president gets elected from either side, their voters are disappointed, and the other side is fired up at what they're trying. And I think that's where we are right now. We have to be very careful that it doesn't lead to a more serious situation. We need some people who will begin to take a step back from the brink. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Scott Rasmussen, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Have a great day. All right, you too. You can find out more. Uh, you can go to scottrasmussen.com. Uh, he has his uh, regular report up there. Good stuff. I, I like to, to track what uh, Scott is doing. I, I will, again, on this issue of the vaccine and the mandate. Number one, I'm not opposed to vaccines. I am opposed to mandates. I think you need to make that decision. In fact, we're going to be talking about that tonight on our Pray Vote Stand. Coming back with the next series, our next series of uh, season of Pray Vote Stand, that'll be tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern time. You can tune in at prayvotestand.org. But I would encourage you to, to be praying about this issue. 
of, of where our nation is, how divided we are as a nation. It is, it's, it's troubling times. I don't think, I'm not saying we, we don't need to compromise. Uh, we need to be prayerful in the positions that we take, uh, but work to, 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 to bring this nation back to where it needs to be. And a part of that is understanding we're in a spiritual battle. Not, not, it's not an issue of compromising truth. It is an issue of standing for truth, but knowing that the, uh, the battles that we are fighting go way beyond just the political realm. Well, joining me now to talk uh, about some of that aspects of the political realm, uh, Brent Kylan, the vice president of FRC Action, uh, talk here to, uh, to give us an update on what took place in California yesterday. Brent, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you, Tony. Good to be with you. All right. So uh, a lot of focus on California in the recall of Governor Gavin Newsom, and uh, that didn't happen. Uh, he was able to retain, it appears, I mean, all they're still counting votes, but uh, Larry Elder, who was a leading candidate, I think has conceded. Uh, so uh, tell us what took place there. So you're right, Tony. Um, this was the uh, big political story on, uh, you know, across the nation over the last couple of months. Um, there was a lot of energy in California that uh, emerged in opposition to Governor Gavin Newsom's policies. Uh, this was in relation to a number of particular issues. Um, we have his response to COVID, uh, his management of wildfires out there, um, lockdowns as it relates to churches and people of faith on, on, on faith and family issues that, that we work on at FRC, um, really bad on those issues as well. So a lot of issues uh, converged, a lot of energy uh, in opposition to those. So they actually got enough signatures to put this on the ballot. There are steps you have to go through to, to meet that threshold. They met that, got way more than enough signatures. So yesterday was the, uh, the actual vote. Um, as you mentioned, uh, it does look like he is going to walk away with the uh, the victory there. Um, the numbers I'm seeing right now, we have about 70% of the ballots in uh, in California. It takes a while to count 100% of the uh, of the ballots, but he's up very very significant margin. Uh, about 28 points is his uh, current margin. Last time I looked, so he has been declared the winner. Um, had he been recalled, uh, question two would have kicked in, question who should replace him. Larry Elder won that one, and Larry Elder has, in fact, conceded. So they, uh, so they were able to get this on the ballot, force a vote on this, but uh, it does look like um, Governor Newsom is going to walk away with the victory on this one. All right, uh, Brent, we just have a couple more minutes, but a couple of observations here from my perspective. This is only the second time that they've had a recall of a governor, so th that, that's a significant step there that they got this onto the ballot. Uh, secondly is that we read about this, we saw it, we've talked about it here, uh, significant engagement by the church. They really, the churches there in California, because of the overreach with the lockdowns and the, the way they, they handled the coronavirus uh, they were a large part of the recall and a large part of supporting Larry Elder. Uh, is it anticipated now that uh, Governor Newsom is going to uh, take retribution maybe with uh, these overreaching mandates from government and maybe moving back to lockdowns? Tony, there's there's two sides to that, and we're going to have to monitor that. We, we simply don't know for sure yet. The one side of the fact is that 
we know Governor Newsom and his team would have rather not had to work through um, a recall election. It took a lot of time, a lot of energy away from the types of things and the policies, the initiatives they would have preferred to be putting their time into. Also, uh, numbers as of today are showing it took $80 million um, of people spending for Newsom to to keep him there. Um, actually, his side outspent opposition five to one. That's $80 million that couldn't go towards other things. And so um, even former California Governor Schwarzenegger said he thinks that Newsom has had to take this seriously. And obviously, former Governor Schwarzenegger in California knows a thing or two about recalls. So that's the one side of the, the coin. You would hope that them going through this much mm. would force him to say, you know, I've got to I've got to take those concerns seriously. But, Tony, as you point out, um, California um, has been very uh, unreserved, if I can put it that way, on lockdowns with churches. Given the size of the victory, they could say, you know what, we won. We won by a sizable margin. We now have free reign to do what we yeah. want. That is a possibility. So churches are going to have to prepare for that. Yeah, and we're going to have to watch that very carefully. Uh, Brent, we're out of time. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Tony. Appreciate it. And, folks, thank you for joining us as well. All of these issues we'll continue to watch. Until next time. I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.